Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number five in this series, Heart to Heart in the Holy of Holies. I hope you're getting a lot out of this. I tell you, I am getting so much out of this. I love this stuff. This is something that really just inspired me so very much when I was a new believer, when I was understanding my connection with God and my intimacy with God. Now, listen, the old covenant temple, and that's that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the Really, not just the holy place, but that's the that's the ultimate goal. We all want to be in that holy place where we connect personally, intimately with God, where we have this interchange with Him, uh, similar to what Moses has. You know, Moses met with Him face to face. Now he didn't see God's face. We understand that Moses met with Him face to face, person to person, but they communicated heart-to-heart, and that's what we want. We want absolute heart-to-heart communication with God, where there is, there's nothing between us. There's nothing held back. There's nothing left out. We are connecting with Him. We're open to Him. He, we're hearing Him. He's hearing us. There is this two-way communication that just becomes so incredibly, incredibly powerful. Now, remember, the Old Testament temple is a type of the spirit, soul, and body of the new covenant believer. Now, this is so very important that we understand. Everything in the Old Testament, according to the scripture, and remember the Holy Spirit inspired all of the New Testament scripture, according to what the Holy Spirit inspired, everything that's recorded in the Old Testament was recorded to be uh, an example, a model, a type, a shadow, something to bring understanding to those of us who are participating in the new covenant. Even though we meet with God around the blood of Jesus, not around the blood of animals, even though we don't go into a, a, a temple made with hands, we still go into a temple. We still come to God. And all of those things were written to help us understand more about how to facilitate this this intimacy with God. Now, remember, we started out talking about the meeting place where Moses would meet with God, and 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 the glory of God would would descend upon this uh, meeting tent or tent of meeting, and and all of that is typology. And we should be experiencing something that's more real, more effective, more powerful, more clear. Uh, something that takes us deeper into the heart of God than they ever experienced, because we are not just seeking to see something with our eyes and hear something with our ears. We are seeking to, to connect with God in our heart. And I'm telling you, when you connect with God in your heart, you connect deeper with Him than you ever can through through intellectual information, through anything that you can get through your five senses. Now, I kind of think that sometimes we get a little overly spiritual uh, and, and and get this idea that that uh, our body is not that important. But the real truth is 
we are called to present our spirit, soul, and body to the Lord because according to what the Apostle Paul teaches and according to the typology of the Old Testament uh, temple, we understand that uh, it's, it's not just our spirit that's important. Spirit, soul, and body. And the temple is a type of the spirit, soul, and body where every aspect of who we are connects with God in some deep, intimate way. Let me read this scripture to you in Romans, the 12th chapter. Love this scripture. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. I love it. I'm not beseeching you by the wrath of God. I'm not, I'm not beseeching you on the basis of fear that God's going to hurt you or, re or reject you. God is merciful, but, but he still wants us to connect with him. He still wants us to come to him. You know, his mercy is it's amazing. Mercy makes God patient, but patience does not equate approval. Patience uh, does not mean that God is all right with things. God comes, actually, he comes to us, if you want the truth, God comes to us, and he is merciful to our sins, to our iniquities. He forgives us whenever we come to the Lord Jesus, and even with our failings, he is still merciful, but that mercy does not mean that he settles for how things are because he wants us to be in this deep relationship. This is not about him requiring more of us, demanding more of us, trying to make us do better. This is more about the fact that he wants us to have a greater quality of life, but he also wants us to have a greater and more powerful influence on the world around us. So Romans 12 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And that is amazing to me. Uh, you know, I can remember when I first gave my life to the Lord, uh, th there was so much emphasis on the spiritual uh, by some groups that you would almost think that what happens in your body and your mind, uh, your, your soul really doesn't matter. But then by some other groups, everything was about your body. So there are people that make this all all just something that happens in uh, internally and spiritually. But then, of course, there are some people who make this all about something physical and external. Well, God owns all of us. Jesus bought us and paid a price for us. So he says, I want you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, listen to this. And he says, I want this living sacrifice to be holy and acceptable to God which is your reasonable service. Well, why is it reasonable? Why is it reasonable that we present our bodies to him as a living sacrifice? I'll tell you why. Because he bought us and paid a price for us, and that price was his entire life. You know, you've heard me talk about this some in some of my other series. Whenever Jesus was on the cross, and we have this record um, in the Gospels where the very last thing he said is, it is finished. Well, very probably in the original language, it wasn't so much that he said it is finished. He was saying the debt is paid. And so he, he, he is saying that I, I have paid the price for your sin here on this cross. Now, remember, the gospel includes what happened on the cross, what happened in the grave, and what happened through the resurrection. It includes all of those aspects. But the point is, Jesus paid the price, spirit, soul, and body, so that we could have an intimate relationship with God 
so we could spend eternity with him, so we could experience the very best uh, that that exists in all, not just in all of creation, but in all of heaven and earth. So he says, you want, you want to be a, your body to be a living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice, and you want them to be holy. Now, remember the word holy, always think about the holy, about harmonizing or being like God. That's the whole point. Holy means it's not common. Holy means it's, it's dedicated, it's consecrated, it's set apart, it's sanctified unto the Lord. And so, and so he says, present your bodies, this living sacrifice, to be like God in this world so that Jesus can be glorified. He says, so, so present your bodies, uh, living sacrifice, holy, and this is acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That's perfectly reasonable. That is not asking him too much. And do not be conformed to this world. And that concept of being conformed means to be means to be molded or shaped or pressured to being like the world. Now, when you see that phrase, the world, let's talk about the world system. It's about how the world thinks, how the natural world thinks. See, we are not of this world. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. We are not citizens of this world. And so we don't want to become like this world. We want to think like this world. We don't want to do business like this world. We don't want to have relationships like this world. We want to do something that is more like what God does. And he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, that word transformed, almost everybody knows that has studied the original language that has to do with a metamorphosis. Now, in a metamorphosis, this is like when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Uh, a metamorphosis is when that which is within us actually permeates all that we are and and transforms not just our inner man but our outer man so we are not trying to become something we already are something what we are attempting to do is yield to the holy spirit so we can go through this process that's called transformation uh the apostle paul talked about it in light of putting off the old man putting on the new man that's another that's another concept of transformation. And he says this happens as we renew our mind. Well, the Apostle Paul, when he taught about putting off the old man, he said, then you have to renew your mind to put on the new man. So in other words, you got to renew your mind to discover who you are. So the Apostle Paul is saying the more you discover who you are, then really the more effortlessly you will be transformed into this new uh, being. Now, here's something that's so incredibly interesting. He goes on to say that, that we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we might prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, I've heard this explained many times, how the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God are different states of the will of God. And it's like, you can be in the good will of God, but you know, that ain't so much. Or you can be kind of in, uh, uh, in the acceptable will of God, and that, you know, that's a little bit better. Or you can be in the perfect will of God. I don't know that that's really what it's saying in the original language as much as it has given us three different adjectives here that describe the will of God. It's always good. Now, remember, anytime you see the word good in Scripture, always think about harmony because in order for something to be good, it has to be in harmony with who God is. It has to be in harmony with the will of God. And so uh, so he wants us, he wants us to... Uh, uh, experience what's good, what's in harmony with the will of God, what 
what makes us acceptable and how we are acceptable and, and how we have been and are being perfected. And that word uh, perfect always comes not so much to flawlessness, but it comes down to, to reaching the goal for which God has taken hold of us. Now, that word prove is a very interesting word. And listen, I've got a great, great, great message for, uh, for you in the uh, audio series that I have with this, where that word approved uh, or that word prove gets into the concept of, of approved, or in other words, being approved. So we've got to renew our minds so that we can grasp that we are approved of God. As a matter of fact, uh, the scripture teaches us that if we are a workman who really rightly divides the word of God, we will always come to this realization that we are approved. Uh, the Apostle Paul taught us that whenever we take communion, we should always take communion to arrive at a place in our heart where we recognize that we are approved of God. It's amazing how so many times in so many religious environments, people think that they need to find out what's wrong with them, and they need to fix it, and they need to make themselves better so that they can become approved of God. Well, we are approved of God because we are in Christ Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that our life is working the way it's supposed to. It just means that we are approved of God and, and we have been given everything so that our life can work the way it's supposed to, so that we can have the abundant life, so that we can have peace in our hearts, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But God wants us to have a real living knowledge of the fact that we are approved of God. So God doesn't, he's not calling us to simply dedicate our spirit to him. He wants us to sanctify ourselves, spirit, soul, and body. I'll never forget reading First, uh, first Thessalonians chapter 5 for the very first time. By the way, you know, the books of Thessalonians are very, very interesting because this is where we get the, some of the clearest teaching about the rapture. And, you know, many people don't even think that the rapture is a doctrine that's legitimately in the Bible, but it is. We have Old Testament models of the rapture and types of the rapture, and then we have very specific teaching, and the book of Thessalonians is one of the primary places where this happens. But Paul, Paul is talking to the Thessalonians, and he says uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, he says, rejoice always. Remember, anytime something like that is in the scripture, it's not just a suggestion, it's a command. Now, as a command, I'm not talking about a hard-nosed legalistic, you better do this kind of command. I'm talking about the kind of command uh, that God gives, which is a prescription. You know, all the Greek word that, that talks about uh, uh, commandments is a word that tends to mean a divine prescription. It's always telling us how to come out of something that's destroying us, how to prevent something that's destroying us. It is a very, very, very positive word. And so Paul is saying, listen, I, I have a commandment for you. And, I, and I, I'm telling you to rejoice. Now, what's interesting, if you go back and look in the, particularly like in, throughout the book of Deuteronomy, over and over and over, God commands his people uh, to embrace who he is from their heart. Not just legalistically. God never, never commanded man to 
have a mere shallow legalistic existence or connection to him. This whole idea that the Old Testament uh, law was legalism is something that is contrived because that's what the Jews did. They, the, it, the nation of Israel twisted what God said to fit the religions that they came out of uh, in Egypt. And then later on, the, uh, the Jews, through their oral traditions and the Talmud, made it even more legalistic to such a degree that people couldn't even grasp the Bible. God never intended for the Old Testament to be applied in a legalistic way. You know, I have said when I was a young preacher, and I just said it because I heard it said, but I made this statement when I was a young preacher. You have made this, may have made this statement, and you may have to repent over it just like I did. But I made the statement that the Old Testament was was fear-based and the New Testament was love-based. No, it wasn't. No Testament wasn't fear-based. I mean, over and over and over, God told the children of Israel that if they would believe these things in their heart, uh, they would experience how good he is and they would love him. And that's what he wanted because faith works by love. And remember, even under the Old Testament, no one was ever made righteous by works. They were always made righteous by faith, according to Habakkuk uh, uh, 2.4. But anyhow, so he says, look, rejoice always. And these are commands. Pray without a season. And then he says, and then in everything, give thanks. By the way, that's another thing that over and over and over in the Old Testament that God teaches his people that if they do not have gratitude, gratitude is one of the uh, attitudes toward life. It's not just an emotion that comes, and if we feel grateful, then we, then, then we become grateful. No, if we choose to notice what God's doing for us, if we choose to notice what's going right in our lives, if we choose to notice what the people around us are doing to be kind and to be loving, then, then the emotions of gratitude over them. So, so he says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and always be gratitude, always be grateful, always, always, always in everything, not for everything, but in everything, give thanks. Uh, you know, there was a teaching that went around back in the 70s where, you know, where they were telling us that we needed to thank God for everything. Every bad thing to happen, we need to thank God for it because there's some secret blessing. Well, no, that's not, that's not what he's talking about. But in everything, give thanks. Well, well, why? Because in everything, even when the circumstances are bad, God is still good. Even when everything's going wrong, God can still deliver us. He still wants to lift us out of all of this stuff, even if it's our fault. Even if we brought it on ourselves, he still wants to lead us out of it and lead us in the paths of righteousness and give us this quality, this incredible quality of life so God will be glorified and the world will see how good he is. So, so in everything, give thanks. Listen to this. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, sometimes people say, I just don't know what the will of God is. And I'll take them to the scripture. And I say, well, just start here. You know, don't worry about whether or not you need to go win the world. Don't worry about what kind of ministry you need to be in. Just start here in an attitude that says, I'm always going to rejoice. I am always going to be thankful. I'm always going to be praying. I'm always going to be trusting in God. But then he goes on and includes something else. Actually, he includes several things about the will of God. And in verse 19, he says, don't quench the spirit. Now, I'm just telling you, uh, we quench the spirit many times uh, because in our attempt to connect with God, we don't prepare the holy place 
like we were shown in the Old Testament. Now, we don't do it the same way. Everything in the Old Testament about how they prepared the temple and prepared the Holy Place, all of those are types that are fulfilled in Jesus. But just because they have been fulfilled in Jesus do not mean that it does not mean that we're experiencing them in our life because we're only going to experience them in our life whenever we have activated them by faith. So don't quench the spirit. And you're going to discover a lot of ways you may have unintentionally been quenching the spirit. But boy, I'm, I'm going to tell you, you can move past that. And he also says something really interesting. Do not despise prophecies. Now, this is not talking about people running around giving words of knowledge to each other all the time. Everybody prophesying over one another. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Thessalonians to teach them about the rapture. And by the way, there had been a false teaching that had been going around about the, about the rapture that had already taken place. And so there was a lot of controversy about it. And really, the whole reason the book of 2 Thessalonians was written was to overcome this false teaching that had been, that had been brought out about the rapture already taking place. And so he's talking about the prophecies that are given in the scripture. And sadly, uh, most people have no concept, or many people have no concept of prophecy other than a lot of personal prophecy, prophesying over each other at church. Listen, the, the prophecies in the scripture about the first coming of Jesus, about the, about the rapture, about the second coming of Jesus, about the end time events, all of these are are given to us to validate and to prove and authenticate the word of God. And once we see how all of these scriptures, all, these prophecies always come to pass exactly the way God uh, says they're going to come to pass, the more we can trust God with his promises and everything else that he has in the scriptures. So he's saying, like, look, don't despise prophecies. Go back to the prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast on what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And now, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful, uh, who also will do it. So he is saying, listen, this is, this is not just a matter of sanctifying your spirit. This is not just a matter of what happens internally. Sanctify yourself, spirit, soul, and body. Now, listen, let me just mention this real quick like, Many of you, I'm already, uh, you know, hearing from people that you're wanting to take a deeper dive into this whole thing about entering to the Holy of Holies, connecting with God, hearing the voice of God, all of these things that we're covering this series. Now, obviously, uh, man, you're getting incredibly powerful messages in this free audio series that we have. But I always create uh, an audio series, and I'm, I've got an eight-message audio series, which means... Uh, you're going to get two bonus CDs. Usually I put six messages in, but I'm putting two bonus CDs in this just to be a blessing and a help to you. And we do these kinds of uh, series, the audio series for people who want to take a deeper dive, people who are really serious about becoming disciples, people who may want to teach this and may want more details, people who are looking for uh, other ways to apply this to their life. So be sure and check out the audio series, but also be aware of the fact that whenever you purchase any of any of our products, uh, you do some wonderful things. Number one, you make an investment in yourself spiritually. Number two, the finances that come in from those purchases makes it possible to finance the gospel going to the ends of the earth. So you invest in yourself, 
you invest in the world, you invest in the kingdom of God. So be sure and get your audio download of this series, Heart to Heart and Holy of Holies, and you can follow along with it. It's, listen, the audio and the video are not exact. I've tried to cram this stuff uh, as full of valuable information as I possibly can, because I, I, I tell you, I know that, that those of you who follow these teachings, who follow this my series online, man, I know you are serious believers and you want to take the deep dive. So I'm always trying to provide everything I can for you. So, so the temple of God is made up of, of our entire being, spirit, soul, and body. And every aspect of the Old Testament temple, uh, uh, you know, starting with going into the gates, going into the outer court, going into the inner court, going to the holy place, going into the most holy place, every aspect of every of where every offering was given, all of the furnishings, everything in the temple uh, is a picture of the internal workings of a human being. And one of the things that we, that we want to realize is everything in the temple had to be consecrated to God. It had to be set apart to God. It had to be holy and set apart uh, in order for God to be able to meet there with a human being, that we have been sanctified in the Lord Jesus. We have been made righteous. But the question is not, have we been made righteous? The question is, have we in our heart sanctified ourselves? Have we in our heart set these things apart? Have we taken it upon ourselves to realize that we are the temple of God and we are the meeting place. We are the secret place that God meets with us and teaches us and leads us. And so the question is, is this, am I seeing why this is so incredibly important? Now, listen, there's all kinds of cleaning rituals that we could go into about the temple. We don't need to. I'll touch on some, some of the ones that I think are important. But here's the important thing. Am I deliberately and consciously setting my body apart, setting my mind, what I think about. In other words, every aspect of my being, spirit, soul, and body, am I setting it apart to the Lord? Back to 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? And, and the last part of verse 17 says, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Listen, you are called to be holy, you are, and that word holy, remember, it means uh, to be set apart to God. It means to not be common. It means not to be mixed up with, with unholy things. So you are made holy in the Lord Jesus. Your body is to be holy. Your spirit is to be holy. Your mind is to be holy. Why? So that we can meet unhindered with a holy God. And we can have nothing between us that's going to. Uh, affect our ability to hear, to listen, to follow in any negative way. Now, again, I'm not saying this makes you earn something from God. All of this is offered to us, but us preparing our temple to be a fit, a proper meeting place with God. All of this makes it where we can hear, follow, and sense God. And it has to do with what we're doing in our heart it's not because we're earning it from God. Listen, be sure and check uh, check out everything we've got at impactministries.com. Consider helping us take this message to the entire world and share this with everybody that'll help. And I'll talk to you again next week.
Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers Podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.